sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So I know a lot of people think it's superficial, particularly guys, but the way we present ourselves to the world affects the influence that we have on others. It's not just the words that we say, but things like our body language, the clothes that we wear, the tone of our voice, all work together in personal influence. And so with that in mind, I mean, it would be in our interest to just put our best foot forward and put, present our best selves to, to the people we interact with for business pitches, speeches, lunch meetings, etc. I mean, we want to make sure that the message we have actually gets across to people because people give us a chance because we're presenting ourselves in the best way possible. Well, my guests say that's what she does for a living. She teaches and coaches executives, media personalities on how to put their best foot forward so they're more influential. Her name is Frances Cole Jones. Uh, she's the author of the book, How to Wow. And today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a bunch of tips, tactics, things you can do to present your best self to the world so you can be more influential in speeches, business meetings, job interviews, even first dates, right? So without further ado, Francis Cole Jones and How to Wow. Francis Cole Jones, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So you've written a lot of books, content about self-presentation, public speaking, persuasion. Uh, but before we get into some of the, the things you've written about in your book, which one of them we're going to talk about today is How to Wow, which I absolutely love. Uh, let's talk about a bit about your career and what you do, because it's interesting. How do you, I was trying to figure out how to uh, describe what you do, your job description. How would you describe what you do as far as consulting and teaching people how to present them their best selves? It really depends on the day, but it that is it in a nutshell, is presenting your best self no matter what the situation. So some of my clients are going on television and they're talking about whatever it is that they're talking about, their product or their stock price. Some of my clients are, you know, people who are trying to get back into the workforce after having been out of the workforce for a few years. So it really depends. Every day is different, but what's really nice is that the principles are always the same. So no matter who you are or what you're doing, you can use this information. Gotcha. And how do you answer the question? I, I'm a big believer in presenting your best self, but I'm sure there's some naysayers out there who are saying, this is all inauthentic. It's phony. You should just be yourself. Um, and you know, all this, these little tactics you should do, like you shouldn't really worry about it. 
How do you respond to, to, to people who, who make those sort of uh, arguments? I absolutely want you to be authentic. And if you're not, of course, people are going to pick up on that. But I think that even the naysayers will agree that they have days when they feel super articulate and powerful. And then they have days where they have trouble stringing a sentence together. <laughs> um, so my goal is, you know, really that you would have a few tools on the days when perhaps you're not your best self, um, that you can pull these out and say, okay, I know that this is more helpful. I think it's, you know, it's really the verbal equivalent in many cases of just putting on a clean shirt. Mm. I like that. I like that example. Great analogy. Because you don't want to go into any type of presentation with mustard or ketchup. No, you know, just spruce yourself up a little bit. Okay. So in your book, How to Wow, you start off the the book talking about the three elements of influence in face-to-face contact. What are those three elements and what's their respective amount of importance in overall persuasion and, and presentation to other people? Well, there is some controversy around this study. Nonetheless, I love it. Uh, it comes out of UCLA, and they said that there, there are three components of your message, verbal, vocal, and visual, that people actually only remember about 7% of what is said, 38% of your impact is your tonal quality, and 55% is what your body's doing while you're speaking. So with that in mind, what I do is, okay, let's make what you're going to be saying as memorable as possible, and let's organize your tonality and your physicality so that nothing detracts from what you're trying to get done. Gotcha. So with that in mind, uh, what, are, what are things we can do with our tonality and our body language uh, to improve our influence on other people? Well, in terms of tonality, you know, one of the easiest things that I'm doing right now is stand when you're speaking. If it's an important phone call, stand when you're talking. Um, You're automatically going to have so much more energy and animation in your voice. And the other thing that I love is do important phone calls while you are looking in a mirror. Because it is impossible to look at yourself in the mirror and not amuse yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to smile at yourself and you're so funny and you're so charming. So, and your voice is going to follow along with all of that. Those are some great tips because I, I have a problem with phone calls personally. I, I don't know. I've always treated phone calls like it's a, it's a medium of communication. Just say what you got to say and get it done. And my wife's always reminding me, you need to like smile when you're talking, and don't have such this, this this grouch face on on you because like it reflects in your voice. You don't think it would, but it does. It does, and I mean, I really do recommend for a lot of my clients, not because they're all indescribably narcissistic, but because it's helpful, is to have a mirror in your office, and if it's an important call, shut the door and you know talk to the mirror. So okay, so yeah, this is great if you're doing a job interview or yes. on the phone. Stand up and look in a mirror. Yeah. In terms of the other things, in terms of physicality that you can do, it's a very small thing, but it's powerful is we trust you when we can see your hands and we don't trust you when we can't, you know, which is why one of the first things they say to the, you know, alleged criminal is put your hands where I can see them. So, you know, if you're sitting again in a meeting where you're asking for money or if you're in a job interview and you wish to appear trustworthy, just keep your hands on the table. Okay. And what about just talking, you know, in just daily interactions, whether you're at a cocktail party, a networking event, a date, 
what are things you can do with your body language to, I don't know, put your best foot forward and maybe make people feel more comfortable and at ease around you? You know, it's a really seemingly small thing, but how many times have you met somebody at uh, anything and they say, I'm really happy to meet you? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, you don't sound happy. So you haven't even gotten through how do you do, and you've already come across as insincere. So really and truly, when you meet somebody, take that time and connect. And, you know, if you're going to say you're happy about something, please sound happy about it. Gotcha. And um, I, here's a question I have. Maybe you have the answer to this. I think you do. Uh, whenever I'm doing public speaking or I'm in a meeting doing a presentation, I never know what to do with my hands, right? Like, should I, should I keep them in front of me? Should I move them around a lot, gesticulate? Should I hold something? If I'm at a party, like, what do I do with my hands if I don't have a drink? Uh, and I, it, I know I'm probably being overly self-conscious, but there's probably some things you can do to ease that amount of self-consciousness, right? Yes. What it is, is you just want to get really committed to what it is that you are talking about. So, I mean, if you're completely caught up in the story that you're telling, you're not thinking about your hands. And, you know, it's the same way a lot of people hire me to get rid of the ums and things like that in their speech. But the same thing will happen if you're totally committed to what you're saying. Those drop away naturally. So I guess what I would say is think less about your hands and more, again, just about really connecting both to the person or the audience that you're speaking to and to what it is that you're saying. And then, again, it's just it's effortless. It drops away. Gotcha. You know, I mean, I'm sure if you're if you're talking to your wife and you're telling a story about something that's made you crazy and then this happened and then that happened and then you are not thinking about what your hands are doing. No, not. <laughs> so you want to get that committed. So that's a key. It seems like storytelling is a key uh, in your communication. Is critical. Storytelling keeps you away from what's known in my business as useless modifiers. Like, you know, it's great. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's awesome. And nothing happens in my brain when you say that. You know, are you talking about your cell phone? Are you talking about your sandwich? Nothing. So, but if you tell me a story about why something is, then automatically it's more memorable and more interesting. You know, and again, this works, you know, if I have a client who's talking about their product or if you're in a job interview, you know, a common job interview question is, um, you know, tell me about your greatest strength. And, you know, nobody's going to remember, oh, I'm just a really great leader. I'm just a really awesome leader. I really love to lead. Nothing. No. You know, it has to be, there was this time and this occurred and this was the situation and this is how I took charge of it and this was the outcome and yay for me. And that's, you know, that's a story that your listener can repeat. So you really, you just have to have, you know, they don't, I don't want them to be long. Please don't make them long, very short, but, um, but stories will help you. Okay. So yeah, not even, (laughs) don't even use stories for uh, job things, but also like have some stories lined up that you could tell in just casual social encounters as well. Absolutely. You know, one of my things is if you're in a casual social, a lot of times people will introduce, you'll introduce two people and you'll say, oh my God, you guys are going to love each other. Okay. Now the two people are just looking at you like they have nowhere to go with that. Right. (laughs) 
Okay. Because maybe, they, maybe, they, maybe they're not feeling it. They're not feeling the love. So, But if you say, this is so-and-so, he and I met when X occurred, and this is so-and-so, and she and I met when you know Y occurred, and both of you, you know, did the following, and now they have common ground. So it's just a, a much better way to make an introduction. Okay. And, and you kind of hit on this a little bit about the words we say. So according to the US, UCLA study, 7% of what we say uh, contributes right. to overall persuasion. But there are some things we should avoid saying. So you mentioned the ums and the uhs. We try to reduce that. And then we talked about these useless modifiers. If those are words we should avoid to be right. persuasive, what are some words we should include to build rapport and, and be more persuasive with the people we interact with? Well, Yale University did a study of the 12 most persuasive words in the English language. And the most persuasive word in the English language is you. So the more that you can, when you're talking to people, be like, as I'm sure you know, as I'm sure you've heard when I was talking about you today, and just putting everything in that context, because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter who you are. And it is, you know, part of my job to tell, you know, people who think they're incredibly important that no one cares about them. Nobody cares about you. What they care about is themselves and how you are going to make their life better. So if you're walking in and saying, I wanted to talk to you today, blah, blah, because this and this and this. Then all of a sudden people's ears, you know, they perk up. The other study that I talk about a lot is Ellen Langer, who's a social psychologist out of Harvard, did a study that showed that there's one word that increases the possibility of cooperation from 60 to 94%. And that word is because. So I wanted to talk to you today because giving people, again, the because behind any request that you're making, look, why are you making me sit through this? You need to articulate that. So, yeah, yes. I think I've seen that study about the because, <laughs> and it was kind of yeah. bizarre because it was, they, the experiment was, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering correctly, it was, they asked someone to cut in front of a copy line, like get into mm -hmm. the front and say, the, the one person said, I need to, can I cut in front of you? And everyone right. said, no, of course you can't, like, wait in line. But if people just said because and, like, some random reason, didn't even be connected to anything, like, people complied. Like, you can say, because, I need to, can I cut in front of you because I have to make tea in five minutes? People are like, okay. This is what I always, you know, again, I tell my clients, if, if someone cuts the line at the grocery store, you're pissed off. But if they say, do you mind if I cut the line because I'm late to pick up my kids at school, you're going to let the line cut go. You'll still be pissed about it, but you'll let it go. So, yeah. So, yeah, have a reason. So, use you. <laughs> yeah, you and because, you are, because are very important. So, I think one thing that people often feel self-conscious about is introducing themselves, whether it's, it's their first day at the job or at a networking event or a conference. What's the best way to introduce yourself that will leave a lasting impression, yet at the same time doesn't feel like, you know, the, the stereotypical elevator pitch where you, you know, it sounds like you memorize this and you're just trying to get your pitch into me. Um, how can you introduce yourself, but be more memorable? Again, it's about telling a story about why, why is what you're talking about going to make the other person's life better? So if I were to say to you, oh, my God, I have the most amazing book. It's just it's such a wonderful book. I wrote it. It took me this amount of months to write it. And, you know, this is my agent said this about it. And my nanny said this about it. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't care. 
right? But if I say to you, you know what? I wrote a book and I know that right now you have a new business and part of the work of your new business is finding new clients. So what I'm hoping is that I have a few techniques up my sleeve that might be useful to you. And I wrote them down in a book. So, you know, you want to back end it with what's important to you and you want to front load it with why the other person should care. Okay, and, and couched in a story, it sounds like you're telling yeah. a story. Yes, and the story is about the person you're talking to. The story is not about yourself. Yeah, you have this great line. <laughs> yeah, you, you had this great line. I've been thinking about it more and more is that everyone's a hero in their own world. Right. Right. And so like you got to take it you got to think about that when you're talking to people. It's like let them try to figure out how is what I have to offer going to help them advance in their own hero's journey. Right. Right. Yeah, Mike Myers, I actually pulled that from Mike Myers during an actor inside the actor's studio interview. He said, every villain is the hero of his own story. So even if someone, what someone is doing is completely incomprehensible to you, if you can just try to figure out, okay, as crazy as it seems, they think they're on the side of right and order. Um, and, you know, and speak into that a little bit. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good it's a good reminder because I often think I, I do this too. Whenever some does some, someone does something just absolutely nuts, you think, well, they're just they're just doing this because they know it's wrong, but they're still doing it. Right. Uh, but no, they think what they're absolutely doing is is right, correct, etc. Right. Um, yes. Well, well, here's the this leads to another question: How do you unawkwardly correct people when you you know they they might be wrong, they may have misspoken, or they're doing something that might be incorrect. Um, this happens, this probably comes up at work all the time. Someone doesn't follow protocol or they're just being unintentionally annoying or whatever. How can you um, unawkwardly correct them without making hard feelings a thing? I think the first thing to do is double check your own hearing and your own perception. So that's a really easy way to do it. So if somebody says something preposterous, you just say, okay, hang on a sec. I just want to make sure that I'm understanding you correctly. What I thought I heard you say is X. And sometimes they'll, when, when they hear you say it out loud, they realize that's not right. So that's an easy way to do it. And they're like, no, no, you misunderstood me. Um, if, <laughs> if you say it again and they say, oh, yes, that's exactly what I want you to do. You always want to take the onus on yourself. You want to say, okay, so I'm going to, it sounds a little bit like I'm quibbling with you, but it was my understanding that the goal today was X. And I'm unclear on how this is going to help us accomplish that. So again, you know, it's not because you're difficult or argumentative. You're just confused and you're trying, <laughs> and you're trying to arrive at a solution. Um, but just to keep, keep circling back, um, and trying to get the other person, if they can, to dig a little bit deeper into, okay, but what is the intention for the day? Because sometimes people do have the same goal. They just have very, very different ways of getting there. Another simple, useful, you know, some incredibly useful question is if someone's doing something that just makes your head explode, before you correct them, you can say, can you tell me why you're doing it that way? Because they might have 
a reason that you haven't thought of, you know, so that's yay. Or they might not understand what it is you're trying to achieve. And then that's you've, but you've at least honored their process by inquiring first. If they have a process, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I actually, that, uh, after I read that, that, that could have come in handy uh, before so a couple of weeks ago, I have uh, one of my editors uh, works for me and he did something and I just completely was like, why, why did he do that? And I, I didn't ask him that. I was like, that's wrong. You need to do it this way. And he very tactfully responded, you know, this is why I did it. He, he explained what his reasoning, it was like completely valid. And I was like, that makes perfect sense. Um, I think I could have avoided that whole awkward, it's kind of awkward, not too awkward. We're over it now. You know, we're not <laughs> holding grudges. But if I just said, can you tell me like why you did it this way? And that right. would have solved a lot of this. The other, the other thing that I like people to keep in their back pocket is what I refer to as the Apollo 13 theory, which is, if you've seen the movie, one of the first questions that's asked after they've realized that, you know, something has occurred um, is, okay, what's working? What have we got to work with? What do I like? So if someone is doing something and you need it to change, very often if you begin with, all right, so here's what I love about what, what's happened in the past. You do this really well. You do that really well. I love this. This is great. Here's one thing that's going to need to change. And, but because, again, you front-loaded it with all the things that are working and that make you happy, they can hear your request very differently. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with a thoroughly modern design. The exterior has been reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Durability has been tested to the extreme, cargo capacity means more room for your gear, and there's been powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system that keeps you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering, and the Defender is ready for a wide range of adventures. The Defender family features two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. That's LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. All right, so if you're like me, you've probably signed up for a whole bunch of stuff that has a recurring monthly fee. Subscriptions to newsletters, subscriptions to services that you use online, uh, could be a streaming service, something like that. You sign up for it and then you forget about it. And then every month you're getting charged and charged and charged and they just all add up and you have a hard time trying to figure out, where did I sign up for this? I don't know where this is coming from. Well, let me tell you, there's an app that can help you with that. It's called Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I had a chance to use Rocket Money and it works. You connect your account to it and then it goes through your accounts and helps you find those recurring subscription fees that maybe you forgot about and then you can cancel them and save yourself a bit of money each month. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash manliness. That's rocketmoney.com slash manliness, rocketmoney.com slash manliness. 
If you're like my family, we're getting to the busy part of the year. Spring sports are happening, a lot of after-school activities. So sometimes planning and cooking dinner, just don't have time for that. That's where Factor Meals comes in. With Factor, you get fresh, never-frozen meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. With Factor, you get restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. No prepping, no cooking, no cleanup needed. It's also less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious. So we've been using Factor Meals in the McKay household for a while now. There's a lot of reasons why we like them. First off, the food tastes great. Last week, I had creamy pesto pork chop with spinach, cauliflower, rice, roasted green beans. Tasted fantastic. But the big selling point, it's easy. There's no cooking. There's no cleaning up. It's great for those nights when you're busy and you don't have much time uh, to to take care of dinner and you don't want to do takeout because you feel gross after takeout. If you'd like to try Factor Meals, head to factormeals.com slash manliness50 and use code MANLINESS50 to get 50% off. That's code MANLINESS50 at factormeals.com slash MANLINESS50 to get 50% off. Check it out today and make sure to check out the creamy pesto pork chop. It's really good. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. Gotcha. And that, this sounds very similar to the, the the improvisation rule of yes and. Yes and. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Everybody should go take an improvisation class. Even if it's like the most hideously awkward hour or two of your life, you're going to walk out with so much good information. Yeah. I, I, I've heard <laughs> that. I, I want to do it. I, I, every time I read about improvisation, like I need to do that, but I never follow it's through. It's really, again, it's not something I loved, but I'm glad I put myself through it. Yeah. So with the, the yes and rule, for those who aren't familiar with it, it's instead of an improvisation, instead of denying what someone's done, right? You're like, when I'm not going to follow along with this, you say, you take what they've done and then you add your own spin to it. That and that's also very helpful. It's something that I want people to think about. If you're in a meeting with, and you are with a fellow team member and he or she says something that is like somehow not exactly correct and you, but you don't want to be seen as contradicting them or arguing with them. So because you're presenting to, you know, other people. So if you could say, if I could add to what, you know, Joe just said. And even if what you say directly contradicts what Joe just said, energetically, it comes across for other people as if you and Joe are one big happy family. So. There you go. Well, on a related topic, um, it's related, similar to awkward conversations, but mm-hmm. how are you supposed to handle, what's the best way? And I'm sure you deal with this all the time because you're prepping people for television appearances, but this can happen to people in the job, job interviews, but how do you deal with awkward questions, tough questions that you don't, 
if you answer it in a certain way, it's going to come off really, really bad. Um, how do you deal with those really hard questions like that? The first thing to do is you, okay, before any meeting or job interview, you have to consider what are the worst three questions I'm going to get? All right, let's think of what is, if everything goes down the tubes, um, you've got to think, think through those three questions. You know, what I always tell my clients is hope is not a strategy, right? It's not like, oh, God, I hope that doesn't come up. It's coming up. So think them through ahead of time. Then when you get the hideously awkward question, you know, what happens is that sometimes we're so nervous that we jump into answering it without taking a breath. So inhale and speak on an exhalation. Speaking on an exhalation automatically gives your voice so much more resonance and authority. You know, if you ask me something hideous or, and I go, well, and all of a sudden I sound a little crazy. <laughs> but if I pause and I say, well, and then, and now all of a sudden I seem like I'm in control. And then the other thing is that um, I recommend if someone asks you something and your mind goes blank to just say, I'd like to think about that for a second because oh, yeah. I want to be sure to give you the best answer possible. Nobody leaves a meeting or a job interview thinking, oh, I can't believe that guy that wanted to give me the best answer possible. What a <laughs> jerk, you know? <laughs> so... So that's your out. And then take that moment and think about it. So, but take your time. Take your time. All right. Don't get flustered. Yeah. Okay. Well, as related to the job interview, one of the tough questions that often comes up for folks is that, say, for example, they've been out of, uh, out of work for a while, or maybe they've tr jumped jobs several times. And that always raises red flags for potential employers. Uh, how do you answer those questions when they do come up about employment history? Well, there are a couple of things. If, you know, if you sit down with your interviewer and, you know, very often they say to you, okay, well, where shall we start? My recommendation is if you have a resume that's a little bit quirky, then you say, you know what? I think that if you look at my resume, you'll see that I've moved around a lot in the past few years. So why don't we start there? So take control I, of it and go to the, oh, go yeah. to that. Okay. You want to be on offense rather than on defense. Okay. okay? Because right there, it doesn't matter what you do after that. Your interviewer's like, wow, hang on. This guy's got nerves of steel. So, and then from there, you want to have actually a pretty, you know, a good story about what happened. Maybe you jumped around because you wanted to be challenged. And the jobs that you had in the past weren't asking you to grow. So that's one way to, to tell that story. Maybe, you know, you were downsized. That certainly occurs. What you talk about at that point is I use the time to brush up on skill sets that I'm going to need once you hire me. So there always is a way to talk about your past. And it's about you sounding confident with the way you're going to talk about it and you feeling in control of that story. 
And what I always tell people is if you can't figure it out, honestly, just give me a call and I will figure it out because I'm really, I'm really good at this. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but I guess you'd never want to say I jumped job because all my bosses were jerks. That probably would not no. be. Okay. Yeah. No, no, Don't no, 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 no. You weren't challenged. Because, you know, you really wanted to, you know, you have X skill set and you didn't feel it was being utilized. And by the way, I noticed it's something that you require at this new job for which I am now interviewing. So you just present that as, you know, this is a gift with purchase that's going to make me even more desirable to you. But no, you can never, ever, 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 ever badmouth your past employer. It's like going on a date and hearing them bitch about their. I'm oh, sorry, but tell him. Speak you can back. say that. No, this is, we're, we're not. We're not on the public <laughs> airwaves. So hearing them speak about badly about their last relationship, you're the only one who ends up sounding, you know, not great. Terrible. And they're, they're, <laughs> they're probably thinking in their head. It's like this. It's probably it, it. This. It's not the boss. It's like this person's actually right. Got the problem. Okay. Well, anything else that people can do to prep for a job interview so they really wow the interviewer? So yeah, come up with those three questions that are really difficult, prep for them. What else should they do to uh, prep for their job interview? A couple of things. You need to be aware of the trick questions one of the or the trick statements. One of those, it seems so innocuous, is so, tell me about yourself. I hate that question. Right? Yeah. Um, the, the, this is not an opportunity to talk about yourself. All right. No one wants to know, like, I'm the youngest of six and I grew up in Rhode Island. No, 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 no. All right. This is about your job description states that you're looking for somebody who can do, you know, X. Not only can I do X, but I can also do Y and Z. So again, this is about how you are going to add value once you're hired. That's the answer to that one. Okay. The other thing I'm warning people about right now is a lot of HR people are stopping interviews halfway through and saying to the interviewee, you know what? I just don't think you're the right fit for this job. Wow. Whether they, whether they think so or not, they're doing this and they're doing it to see how you handle pressure and if you crack. <laughs> um because what the, what the HR people are telling me is it's amazing how many people will say at that moment, well, I didn't really think I was a good fit, but I just thought I'd come in. Okay, <laughs> no. So you really need to, if somebody says that, be like, well, oh, okay. I, you know what? I guess I'm not making it clear how passionate I am about getting this position. So let me take you through my thinking one more time. But... But yeah, so you know, there, there's another number of pitfalls that, uh, that people should be aware of right now. Wow, the other thing I heard from a guy who hires all the time for sales jobs is he doesn't call you back until you called him three times. Because if you can't take rejection in the interview process, you're not going to do well as a salesperson. Wow. So yeah, All right. this is this is this is like some like crazy like mind like psychological. There's so much mind stuff. Mind yeah. stuff going on. All right, so keep that in mind. Don't don't crack, and don't mm -hmm. uh, don't succumb to the pressure. Okay, great stuff. Well, let's let's shift back to presenting yourself. And you had a, a section on clothing, and I know you know clothes don't don't make the man right, but they do play a part in how persuasive or influential we are. So what should people be aware of 
on how they should change their wardrobe maybe or their, what they wear depending on the audience that they're presenting to? I think, I mean, I think that's the critical piece is you really need to think about the audience you're speaking to. You know, I completely costume change depending on who my client is. Some of my clients um, really need to see me in a suit and high heels with a, like, you know, a pocketbook that costs as much as a used car. That makes them feel so much better. And then some of my clients, that makes them feel very tense. And they think that all the money that they pay me is going to subsidize my wardrobe. So <laughs> I have to, you know, do these kind of Superman changes as I move through the day. So it's it's thinking through... Um, who it is that you're talking to, what is their value? What are their values? And how can you read, you know, visually as though, you know, you're already a member of the team? But just as a general rule of thumb, you know, blue is the color that we trust the most and it photographs best. So I have a lot of clothes in, in, in different shades of blue. Um, and of those, that kind of a cornflower or a French blue is the one that really, really looks well. And uh, again, traffic court or television, it's going to serve you well. And then, you know, really thanks to I, you know, all the different kinds of ability to videotape yourself ahead of time. If it's an important meeting, take a picture of yourself um, and, and take a look at what you look like, because sometimes you just have no idea. Uh, so, so get, get that organized. Um, and I, I also pref always prefer tailored things. I think people are rarely upset if you're overdressed and they're somewhat upset if you're underdressed. So. Yeah. And the tailored clothing, particularly for men, uh, a well tailored suit will really accentuate features that, I don't know, exude I don't know, dominance in a powerful, I mean, I'm not talking about like in a mean way, but like. Well, it just it shows it shows an attention to detail. Yeah, you know, if you come in and you look like you slept in your clothes, uh, that that's disquieting to the people you know that <laughs> that are sitting across from you. Um, but I think you know, even for for women as well, I have one client who is a financial wizard, and that's great. But she kept going on TV wearing like a scooped neck T-shirt underneath her blazer. But on television, it looked like she was wearing a leotard. And no one wants to take financial advice from somebody wearing a leotard. Um, so that was, you know, we had, we had to get that organized. So, yeah. yeah. There's that, there's that <laughs> commercial I've seen about the power of, like, how you present yourself. Like, it's like for, like, personal, it's like a investment commercial where they took, like, this DJ that had dreadlocks and he had goggles. And he's wearing, like, you know, the typical DJ outfit. And they cleaned him up, put a suit on. And people, he knew nothing about investments, but like he sat down with people who were interested in investing and he gave the presentation and people were like, oh yeah, I really trust this guy. And he, it was just because he put on a suit and he got a haircut. It's, it's an astonishing thing. Um, and you know, a lot of people will say, well, that's so sad and that's awful. And I'm, you're asking me not to be my authentic self. You know, what I always say is you can be yourself, you can let your freak flag fly once you have the job or once you've made the deal. But the, at the moment, let's stay focused on the objective. Get the job, sign the deal, and then, you know, you can do what it is that you want or need to do. 
to express your authentic self. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Um, so this day and age, I get this request a lot and I've done it too before is requesting to meet people for coffee or for lunch, uh, to either discuss, do an informational interview or even maybe make a pitch. What can people do to make these, they're informal. They seem very informal because it's just, you know, we're going to get coffee, but you make the case that you should do a lot of prep work even for these very informal meetings. So what can people do to make, uh, coffee meetings or lunch meetings more effective? You're never off duty. So yes, don't be, don't be fooled by thinking, you know, it's just coffee or it's just lunch. No, 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 no. Um, frankly, honestly, if you want to get someone's attention and get in to see them, I never suggest coffee or lunch. The first thing I say is, can I come in for 15 minutes at the beginning or end of your day? Because the minute you put an estimated running time on it of 15 minutes, the person's like, oh, okay, that doesn't sound too onerous. But if you say to somebody, let me take you out for lunch and they're busy, now that just sounds exhausting and like it's going to suck away my afternoon. So honestly, you'll get in to see people a lot more quickly. And then, you know, frankly, they're going to let you talk longer than 15 minutes. But, um, but that's honestly my first way to get past a gatekeeper. If, if you are in a social situation, if you are, you know, having coffee or lunch with someone, you know, we all know at this point that you're not supposed to pick up your handheld device during the course of what's occurring. Um, although, you know, you'd be surprised how many people do, uh, but my rule of thumb is you are presenting from three blocks away. Because you simply don't know if the other person is watching you. Mm. Um, you know, if I've had uh, people tell me, a CEO, CEO tell me that he was sitting in his office, he looked out the window, he watched a woman get out of her car, brush her hair in the parking lot, and then proceed into the meeting. And he thought, I can't hire her because I can't have her representing my company if she does her personal grooming in a public place. So that's rule one is you're presenting from three blocks away or three miles away or from the time you step out of your car. After that, it's really just a matter of following those, you know, those kind of kooky rules of etiquette that, that your mother and father, you know, maybe brought up once or twice over the dinner table, you know, napkin in your lap, uh, sit up straight, say please and thank you, let the other person order first. Um, you know, my own personal rule of thumb is don't order food that's difficult to manage. You know, nobody wants to see you playing cat's cradle with the cheese on the onion soup that makes <laughs> people tense. So, <laughs> so pick things that you aren't going to, you're going to be able to focus on the conversation. Um, unless, you know, the other thing that I'm a little bit uptight about is in, unless you're eating habits are the focus of the meal. Like, don't talk about your paleo. Don't talk about your <laughs> sugar fears. Don't talk about your gluten intolerant. No, 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 no. Let the other person talk about it all they want. But, yeah. yeah. Mm -mm. Don't bring that. But yeah, people love bringing that <laughs> stuff up. It's amazing how many people guess. How do you know if there's like, that's that old joke. How do you know if someone's a paleo guy or a vegan guy? It's like, they'll tell you. 
<laughs> I believe that. I believe it. All right. Um, well, let's listen on this question. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening to this. And this is great. These are some great bits of advice. But what do I do if I'm shy? Right. And I, I have a hard time asserting myself, even in a job interview in the workplace or being socially engaging at a, a cocktail party. Any advice for people who have that sort of that social anxiety that, that just prevents them from even putting these tips into to practice? Again, it sounds incredibly simplistic slash mundane, but you really do have to pick three small talk topics. And, you know, it just anything to get the ball rolling. So say you're walking into a networking event, you know, it's as simple as saying to somebody, gosh, how how did you hear about this organization? Well, now they get to talk about themselves for the next few minutes. So they're going to like you better. Right. So, so figure out those kinds of things. And, you know, with meetings, it's the same thing. You really do have to pick three small talk topics ahead of time because you can have a great meeting or job interview and then be standing by the elevator and just pick a topic out of thin air and you're a little bit tired and 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 what you can just watch the whole thing blow up in your face. So you've got to have that in your back pocket. So it's as small as gosh, do you recommend any restaurants around here? I'm thinking about going out for dinner afterward. Again, give other people the chance to be the authority and give other people the chance to talk about themselves. And they are going to like you without you doing having to do very much at all. So make it, about, again, it's going make it about the person. Yeah. And it takes the onus off of you. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, friends, this has been a, a great conversation. Where can people learn more about your work and what you do? Uh, I have a website, which is my name, FrancisColeJones.com. And on the website, they, there's, you know, all kinds of information. I've written three books and I write a weekly blog. So come on over. And then the other thing that's there is I put an ask a question button on my site. And it rolls, honestly, all the questions I get roll directly to my phone. And I will respond. So you know, if you have a meeting or a job interview or anything coming up and you feel like I might be able to be helpful, please send me a note about it um, because this is what I love to do. And uh, and I'm happy to get back to you and uh, help you figure things out. That's awesome. Well, Francis Cole Jones, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. My guest today was Frances Cole Jones. She's the author of the book, How to Wow. And you can find that on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. And for more information about Frances' work, go to francescolejones.com, all one word. And like she said, you can actually ask her a question about any aspect of personal influence on her site. So you can uh, check that as well. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Also, tell your friends about us. I'd really appreciate that. Always, always, I thank you. Thank you for your support. And until the next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. 
from before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.